Welcome to Killing Time, hosted by two girls, one goth. And before I forget, I'm going to start off the episode by asking you, the listener, the firsty, to please give us a review on iTunes. Mm -hmm. You know, we live off of reviews, off of good reviews. So if you like the show and you like Killing Time, you like the first degree, let us know why you like it. Give us a five-star review and like a nice, a nice little message, you know, to start off the show. Absolutely. We love a good review. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, you know what? This is our whole lives. Validate us in some small way. <laughs> Please, God. We need constant validation. Or just occasional. Yeah. I mean, it's... When you have a low self-esteem, it's all you have. Mm, yeah, yeah, it is very true. Uh-huh. So please, for all of our sake, leave us a nice message. Thanks, friends. We won't read the mean ones, nope. though, anymore. Right, Alexis? I'm trying not to. I'm trying to stop. I'm trying to stop. I'm trying to stop. <laughs> She's trying. <laughs> trying to stop. My therapist told me to stop. Oh, uh, Alexis. All right, Billy, what is our dark day for today? All right, so today is August 19th. It's a light day and a dark day. Okay. And this is why. Okay. Because on August 19, 2011, three men, Damien Eccles, Jason Baldwin, and Jesse Miss Kelly, were released from prison in Arkansas. And they are known as the West Memphis Three. Mm, yes. Now, they had been convicted in 1994 of murdering three eight-year-old boys, Christopher Byers, Steve Branch, and Michael Moore. They always maintained their innocence and... Honestly, Damien would have been executed because he was the one kid who had gotten the death penalty, if not for celebrities like Eddie Vedder and Johnny Depp and Metallica and the documentary on HBO. Right. So they were able to do that. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a light day, but it's also a dark day because they got free with an Alfred plea. And the Alfred plea says that we say that we did it, but... We're not going to sue you. Basically, that's basically it. It's it's like they're admitting fault. They're admitting fault, but we're not going to sue the state, so the state doesn't have to be charged for for incarcerating these people for a decade. Jesus, that's what they were able to do. So it's a dark day with that, and it's also a dark day because there's still no justice for these three eight year olds who were murdered. That is a, a dark day. Didn't Metallica let them use their music for free on the documentary? They did. I yes. love that. That mm-hmm. is crazy. Mm-hmm. That is some real charity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some true charity. All the money that no, they really fantastic. needed. Yeah. No, 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 it's so, so, you know what? They believed in it. And these kids were, you know. Into part- Metallica and into metal. And part- that's basically why they were, you know, typecast into being murderers. Partic- yeah. p- particularly Damien. And they, they, they zeroed in on Damien. And he was a kid that was just into metal and into, you know, wearing black t-shirts and all of that. And they said, you know what? That's the kid that did it. That's so fucking insane. So messed up. So we are going to dive into the whole satanic panic later yes. on in this episode. But this was a great example of just how shit gets so twisted twisted and just goes used to well and still does can just go to the extreme yeah and people are really grasping at straws as to why and attaining or assigning value and assigning a reason why something happened totally it's a load of bullshit 
<laughs> Sorry, that was gorgeous. Well, Jack had like she she called for me to give a resounding no, I, I got it. sort yeah, of yeah. harmonizing yeah. voice, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, "Whoa, who are you?" And I couldn't stop myself. I loved it. No, it was it was really beautiful and like soft. Thank you. And just a little I'm shy. capable of a little bit of softness. Yes, I love that. Somewhere the right. tank can be soft. The, t- the soft tank. Soft fuzzy tank. The soft fuzzy tank. Okay, well. When we come back, we have got some bitching to do. Please rise. Court is now in session. All rise. Call the first witness. How do you plead? Guilty or not guilty? All right. Welcome to On the Stand for this... Whoa. For this segment of our podcast, uh, each of us are bringing a topic to the table and we're either defending or prosecuting it. We're either passionate about it or it just grinds our gears and then we'll... Vote at the end if it's guilty or not guilty. And then we bring it to our firsties on Instagram. So if you're not following us on Instagram, you need to because we need each and every vote to make sure that we're not off base. Correct. About the things that we love or hate in our lives. That's right. So Alexis, you go first. I will go first. Um, I have two here listed as potentials. But since I'm going first, I have no basis to to what I should choose my two <laughs> options based on. So all right. Um I'm going with orange juice. Okay. Pulp or no pulp? Then what do you, what do you? I'm going to say I like pulp. You like a pulpy orange juice. Yes. Very, as the pulpier, the better. I like a craft cocktail. I like when I can taste Mm, the basil mm, mm, in the cocktail. mm. I like when the basil is blended into it. I like when mints in the cocktail, like a, like mojito. Like I like the plant, the truth of the plant that's yes. in the drink involved. I like pulp. It makes it seem fresher and more reminiscent of the actual the orange, orange itself. Yeah, I love pulp. It just makes it taste fresher to me. I can agree. When I was younger, I hated a pulpy orange juice. Mm-hmm. I wanted no pulp. But to your point, I love an earthy drink. Yes. I mean, I love a natural wine where you can taste the sediment at the bottom. And it bottom tastes a little bit like a mushroom. You're like, what am I drinking exactly? Yeah. Like, I'm like, is there dirt in my wine glass? More, please. Yes. A little yes. sprinkle the more. The realer, be the better. Yeah. You like this crunchy granola wine. Yes. But, I mean, there are certain things in life that I don't like too honest. An honest meat, for example. Yeah, Jacqueline. Sometimes I'm like, you want a bite of my chicken meal? And she's like, let me examine it. And then she looks at it and she'll be like... Mm, this looks too much like chicken for me. <laughs> I would rather a processed nugget than this honesty. Yes. Um, so yes, Jack doesn't like the truth of meats. No, but I like the truth of uh, fruits and fruits vegetables. and vegetables. So I love a pulpy orange. I love, I, I mean, just get some orange rind in there if you're Ooh. really feeling, you know, crazy. Right down in there. So I say uh, pulp, not guilty. Is that what we're saying? Pulp, orange juice with pulp? Pulp, not guilty. All right, Billy so can't drink orange juice. I do not drink orange juice because of my uh, interstitial cystitis. What? <laughs> interstitial cystitis. He doesn't yes. drink orange juice or tomato juice or, or red, red wine. wine. Yes. He does, the, uh, or coffee. Oh, yes. My God, the gr- life's greatest pleasure. Yes, I know. But that's what Ouch. I do. And uh, if, the, if there's anybody out there that suffers from the same affliction. He has no citrus. Yes, and but uh, or, ac- I, or super acidic. Yeah. But before, Wait, can I, you eat chocolate? A little bit. I, I, I think really I, like I've been able. I've been able to inter- introduce it into my. You don't my, like chocolate. I know. I love. He chocolate. likes sweets. Yeah. He likes like ice cream, but he doesn't like like a. He doesn't want like a dark chocolate square. He no. wants like a. He wants like a friendlies. He wants like a. <laughs> a chocolate. He wants like a Sunday. Or like I saw like the your like little s- sour 
jelly he candies. Want, yeah, he likes like weird pixie sticks and shit. You know what? Why are you like looking a sour at, patch kid? Do not look at my stuff, all right? <laughs> Don't invite us in your home then, William. <laughs> or Alexis is going to go at, through your closet. Yeah, 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 yes, <laughs> which has happened. I've already gone through every drawer in this house. <laughs> So, yes. I so, wish I was um, joking, y- but come on. So, you know what? Um, yeah, not guilty, but in, unless you actually have a, a physical ailment. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Billy, do you want to go? Did you need to steal one from Alexa? You know you know what? I'm going to say this right now because... I have one for you. If you're, you you're saying the things that you're for or against. Yes. There's something that gives me so much joy. And I think that your generation, it doesn't happen. Okay. okay. Bracing myself and, for and, this. And it's print. It's magazines. Okay. I just ordered about five different magazines on Amazon. It's like Esquire, GQ. I saw them very overtly displayed on your on your <laughs> Wait, counter we, when you were coming over. Are we talking current ones? Like the, one. the yeah. August 2021 issue of Esquire? Yes. Okay. And then they said, I love magazines. I love seeing your stuff in print. I love seeing other people's well, stuff in journalist. print. You're a journalist. You like seeing your own stuff in print. I understand that, but I like seeing other people's stuff in Who's? print. Who's, whose things are you watching in Esquire? And, and like, what are you talking I, I, about? You know what? Because here's, Fellow journalists. Because here's the thing about print is that you can't change it. You got to make sure oh, ouch, that yes. it's true and that's what you want to say. So it goes through a bunch of different filters. That's what I love. And that's what I want everybody else that's listening to this to embrace. I do agree. I think that there is something to holding something in your hands that we just completely miss with yes. everything digital. I'm going to agree. I love collecting books. I love, I collect a, magazines, really cool ones that mm-hmm. I've come across. I love print media, you know. Um, it's a shame that we don't have more. Yes. So I think for once, Billy, good on the stand. That was a good on the stand. Yeah. And I mean, I can't imagine anybody that would say it's guilty. Not guilty. Everybody collects something like yeah. that, you mm-hmm. know, because they're, and then you think of, I mean, I collect old books and then you have other people's annotations in those books and then it has other people's life and mm-hmm. their, their little bits of their soul scattered throughout it, which mm-hmm. I, I, I think is something special that is only exists in that one single piece that yes. you have. Yes. I love that. I love it. Not right, so. guilty. Great job, Billy. Job, Look, Billy. Thank you. You brought a great topic to On The Stand. I did it. Stop. They're touching me, people. They're touching me. HR. Not there. Alexis. HR. It's Alexis, not me. I'm far away from Billy. I was trying to tickle him to raise his energy, but he didn't even give, give no. in. No, he didn't no. give in. On the stand today is, is cereal a soup? And <laughs> wow. I, this, is, this is very interesting. So Merriam-Webster yes. says soup is defined as a liquid food, especially, especially with a meat, fish, or vegetable stock as a base and often containing pieces of solid food. Meat, fish, vegetable. Okay. Solid, it says a liquid food. food, especially. It doesn't say exclusively. Mm-hmm. Especially. So when you think about cereal, I mean, it has all the fixings to be a soup. It Dude, comes in a bowl. The milk is meat-based. You eat it. Wow, I actually never thought if about it was, that. If you use dairy milk, it's that's a meat-based stock. That is. A, and it's disgusting when you think about it. A meat stock in a bowl, eaten with a spoon. You have your liquidy base, meat base. Yeah, and then you bits in there. Little bits of things. Now, if that's a grain or if that's a vegetable, you decide. But I think 
That cereal corn might pops be- or puffs. That's a vegetable. A corn. <laughs> yes. That is some fucking soup. Breakfast soup. So that's meat soup with vegetables in it. It's basically a chicken tortilla soup. Oh my god, a hundred percent soup. First of all, I want to say, how dare you? <laughs> all right, Billy. Well, you're not saying anything. <laughs> and no, cereal is not a soup. Well, Why based not? on Merriam-Webster, it is. Cereal is a experience. Cereal is something that originally you would have, and I'm talking about sugar cereals, on Saturday morning when you were in a blanket fort eating your cereal, watching cartoons. That is the, one of the most purest things that you could ever most do. pure. <laughs> Most purest, isn't it? How dare you? If, I'm just telling you, if I was a woman and I said that, I really? would be corrected several times. Okay. Well, so Billy thinks of you, you think of cereal as the experience, which is interesting. Going back to is hot dog a sandwich? That it's nostalgia based. Well, no, your whole argument for hot dog being a sandwich is the experience of having a hot dog. Yeah. Right? So Billy is talking about the experience of having a cup of cereal or a bowl of cereal, I mean. A bowl but of it, cereal? Who's having I, a cup of cereal? I would. What, what, I only need a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I know. Seriously, that's, that's why you, you don't know. Listen. How crazy is it that Count Chocula was available, <laughs> available. The, whole, the, the, the whole year? It was available. There, there was a, 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 a cereal that certainly should have been a, available for only September and October. It was around 12 months out of the year. Because wasn't it just you a little would, Cocoa Puffs? You would, right. No, you would pour it in, you would eat it, and then you would feel some sort of euphoria. You might have a... A prize inside that box, uh-huh. which is one of the greatest things ever. Let me tell you something. We're getting so no, off topic. Must we actually, still go? No, no, no. Let me We're ask. only on this. Jack hasn't done hers yet. No, no, yes, no, this no, is mine. no. Let me, Have let you me, done yours? No, let me Has ask. Billy done his. Let me ask you yes. something. Let me ask you something. So this is the last one. Fuck. All right. So all of your your food things. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you get toys with your food? No, you Billy, don't. This is not the point. You have a box of cereal that looks like it's because your um, cabinets have little see-through windows. Look at him. He's breathing heavy. Mm-hmm. He's like, fuck, what does she know? What and, does she know? And it looks like one of your cereal boxes is squished in there it, like to the brim that if you open it up, it will just fall, fall and out. spill out. So do you, you don't respect your own cereal? No, it's literally like that episode of Kirby Enthusiasm that Larry doesn't respect wood or no. He is mad at people for not respecting, respecting wood. Like, the wood. Do you respect cereal? Wood. You know what? Let me just tell you this. No. How much longer do you have? Because we have to move on. <laughs> I, I know. No, no, I'm not no. going to talk about it now. Great. I'll, I'll put it in a, uh, in a separate. Yes, in a table that some, a for some other ins- time. A separate Instagram hey, video. Hey, will you just set wa- us up for the next thing then? <laughs> yeah. That's mine. Because we're going to talk about satanic panic. And I'm going to. You people. You people are entirely. Ah! You people are devil. Oh devil. God. Devil people. <laughs> Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, 
that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree 50 and use code degree 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree 50 at factorymeals.com slash degree 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on the realreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Yeah, it's rewind time. So welcome to True Crime Rewind. And we're going to take you back to the early 1980s, when America was inundated with the idea that there were hundreds of thousands of devil worshipers operating in the country. Now, how did this happen? And I will ask the two millennial women... That, that I'm sitting next to right now. How many devil worshipers do you think are in America right now? Probably a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say probably a lot. Um, there are uh, probably more than there used to be because of the internet, but mm-hmm. probably not as many as people thought there were back in the day. All right, See, so- I think there are tons, but I don't think they're dangerous. No. Okay. All right. So there were hundreds. It depends on what study you have. They there. thought that hundreds of thousands, and, and this has been primed obviously throughout history because you had the good and evil, God and the devil. But then in the 60s, this is what started happening. You had the Manson murders. Mm-hmm. You had Zodiac Killer. You had Rosemary's Baby. You had Anton LaVey and the Satanic Bible. So you're starting to prime the pump of like, wow, there's this like devil stuff here. Then in the 70s, you had the exorcist, son of Sam. Then in the 80s, you had heavy metal go mainstream. Yeah. Now, when heavy metal like really went mainstream, there was a thing called the Parents Music Resource Center. And one of the persons that was head of this was Tipper Gore, who is Al Gore's wife. Right. And they actually listed 15 songs that were on their list of like, these are songs that will corrupt the children of America. Now, one of these songs, or actually two of these songs were about sex. Darling Nikki by Prince. You know that song? Mm-hmm. Cindy Lauper's She Bop. Mm. 
which are both about masturbation. And the other songs... She-bop is great for that. Yes. Like, she-bop, bop, she-bop <laughs> is like a perfect fucking title for a girl masturbation song. So the other songs... Oh my were, God, wait, sorry. It's like, listen to any song today. Every song is about something yes. fucked up. Yes, I love that. The other songs were about drugs and alcohol, and then there were songs about the occult. Yeah. So they lumped in sex, drugs and alcohol, and the occult. And there were bands like Merciful Fate and Venom. So you had all these people, including like congressional hearings about satanic panic. And you had all these people believing in the devil, and the devil had soldiers marching in America. And law enforcement bought into this. And there's actually videos of law enforcement that they used to try and teach other law enforcement about Satan and how Satan was permeating all of their communities. Which is, looking back, the craziest fucking shit in the world. Mm -hmm. That law enforcement had these specialty units for satanic cults and how to deal with that. Totally. So... This is what happened to the West Memphis Three, who we talked about at the beginning of the show and who were released on this day in 2011. Now, we had a lot of other cases of, like, this is Satan. This is a, somebody that is into Satan. There was the case from where me and Alexis grew up uh, on Long Island, the Ricky Casso case, which was the case of a guy... And the book was called Say You Love Satan because they said that, like, he killed somebody because he wanted to say, he, he wanted the person to say, Say You Love Satan. It was an acid deal oh. that got, that, that went wrong. All right. And by the way, they spelled Satan wrong on the gazebo in Northport. They spelled it Satin. So it's, it said Satin lived instead of Satan lived. I love Satin. You know, there was the. <laughs> There were the killings of uh, the three women in Fall River in 1970 and 1980. And, but then the absolute worst was the case of the McMartin Preschool case. And this was one that happened. So McMartin Preschool was a, a, a preschool in Manhattan Beach, California. And in 1983, a mother of one of the students, and her name was Judy Johnson, told police that her son had been sodomized by a teacher at the school. But that teacher also happened to be her estranged husband. So then they started interviewing this kid, and then they interviewed more kids. And then they interviewed more kids and more kids, and then they started to, to, to cobble together this thing that seven teachers were kidnapping children, flying them to another location, and forcing them to engage in group sex slash being you know, raped and, and abused. And they were, they were also forced to like w look at animals being tortured and all this, all this jazz. Now the interviewing techniques that were used were highly suspect and they were looked at as being like led into, you know, these, these ideas. The case lasted seven years, no charges, all, all the charges were dropped and then it, it turned out actually to be the longest and most expensive trial in American history. It took $15 million to figure this out. Well, this is what I think is interesting about the whole satanic panic with there was a lot of pr like preschool, daycare type of situations happening 
with the Satanic Panic, the McMartin one was just like the most expensive and the most mm-hmm. widespread. Prominent, yeah. But when you think about why, in the 70s and 80s, it was like when moms that had professional jobs had their kids and were actually starting to go back to work mm-hmm. after they had their kids. So it's like now they're leaving their kids with strangers or people that they don't know. And then once the satanic panic idea starts yeah. taking hold, they're like, wait a second. Well, where am I leaving my kid? Is my p- kid being like ritualistically abused or whatever it is? And then they're asking their kids leading questions like, have you been touched? Well, yeah, my like my my teacher leads me by the hand to nap time but like if if you ask kids leading questions they'll give you the answers you mm-hmm. want well and i was listening to a problem a podcast about satanic panic and it was like a lot of what was said that these teachers were doing to these kids was what you would think that a three or four year old might make up when it's like, what is this? What's a crazy situation that you can describe yeah. where there was another preschool that they're saying that the kids watched, um, sh- sharks in a swimming pool, eat baby parts and stuff like that, where it was like, what's a fantastical thing that like a three year old would make up. Right. Totally. But then also with all that, I mean, there were all these segments all in the media, like Oprah, Geraldo Rivera was doing the, this like 10 part series uh-huh. on satanic panic where it was like that. They're being like journalists feeding covering right this shit, it, totally. feeding right yeah. into it invalidating it, which it didn't deserve it. No. And it's like, and now these people think that it's, this is a reality when yeah. it's like the most fabricated fucked up crazy shit ever. Totally. Now, everything was discredited uh, for the McMartin case and for pretty much every other case. Even, even when you're talking about Son of Sam. Yeah, there's know, nothing. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing that's ever really... But Well, he, there hasn't been... Sorry, there hasn't been a case proven to be an actual satanic no. ritualistic yeah. killing and then when there has been, it's almost like a life imitating art sort of a thing where mm-hmm. it's oh, I saw this thing, sure. so now I'm going to imitate it. Sure. And, and this is going to sound, this may sound crazy for anybody that's young that's listening to this, but, and, and it's like, this is before the internet. Like, how could they do this? Oh, if the internet was there, they would have figured out that like there was no Satanism or anything like that. But this shit is happening still. And it's happening today. And it's happening QAnon and Pizzagate. And no, it's just know, the modern day satanic panic. Exactly. Disguised and, as something different. And it, it's it's been it's been morphed into something that is a little bit more political and it's been morphed into something a little bit more that's tribal and they're saying that like, oh no, no, there's there's cabals that are kidnapping kids and taking them and then killing them in satanic rituals. Sure. And that's what Yeah, and it's total fucking bullshit. Yeah, but that's what I think is interesting. Back in the day, it was your neighbor that was doing it, but now it's like powerful elites. Mm -hmm. It's just an interesting shift of blame of who is the person responsible for this thing that doesn't exist. Totally, that people are trying to like place a blame on. Totally, but. Modern yes. day Satanism. Go watch the QAnon documentary on HBO. It yes. is fucking insane. Totally. And coming up, yes, we're gonna do your firsty worsty and hear the worst things you've ever done in your entire life. Um, as a reminder, three two three five three nine three five one six. Wow, you just jumped right ahead. We That's gotta right. go to a commercial break right now. <laughs> That's right. Just a reminder before we go there. <laughs>
So we are ready for firsty worsties, the worst things you've ever done in your entire, entire life. We love you guys. What you think you've done, that's terrible. It's not as bad as you think. Let us validate you. Call us. Leave us a message. The whole thing about leaving your name, we didn't even know that was a thing. We can't hear it. Uh, It's anonymous. Don't worry about that. 323-539-3516. All right. On to the firsty of the worsties. Hi, um, I'm here to tell you something very bad that I did, uh, the worst thing I've done in recent memory, at least. And uh, so essentially what happened was I was dating this guy. Um, he was probably the sexiest guy I've ever dated. This was a few years ago. Um, I was like head over heels for him. And, you know, it's worth saying that we were we were exclusively dating. Like we were not just sleeping together. We were not a casual thing. Like we were dating not for a super long time, probably six months or so. Um, but I was like very into him uh, under the impression that he felt the same way about me and everything was going really, really well. Um, and then he he traveled a lot for work and uh, he was out of town for a couple weeks. And when he came back, he, uh, I saw him right away. I always would pick him up from the airport, which, as you know, you know, LAX is far away. So that's, you know, that's a relationship thing for sure. Uh, so I picked him up from the airport, and we had a, a wonderful night. He was saying, you know, how he was in love with me, and he wanted to, you know, he was. It was like um, I, I heard the term later on, but he was basically love bombing me, which I didn't really know at the time. I do now, um, but anyway. Um, it was a couple of days after that. Um, we would usually, we both were working a lot, so we would usually only see each other like two or three times a week. But I would go stay the night, and we, or we would make dinner. Uh, we spent New Year's together. We did all these things. Anyway, uh, he texted me um, one night and said, hey, babe, I miss you. Like, do you want to come over tomorrow night? Um, you know, I'll, I'm going to get off early because he would often work late. Like, I'm going to get off early tomorrow night. Does that work for you? You know, come over tomorrow, stay the night with me, maybe stay the weekend, maybe we'll go camping, this, that, you know. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Can't wait to see you, you know. So I work the next day, and then, like, in midday, I text him, and I say, hey, you know, you're still, still down for tonight, and no response. And that wasn't super strange for him to not respond immediately to a text. Uh, because, like I said, he worked a lot, so it would often be a couple hours before I'd get a response, so I, I didn't think anything of it at first, but then as the night went on, and I was like, you know, it's like 7 p.m., 8 p.m., I'm like, do you still want me to come over? You know, I didn't send a million texts, but I did send a few, and then finally, I'm like, hey, I'm kind of worried about you. Like, you know, it's cool if you don't want to hang out tonight, but, like, just let me know that you're okay, and he never did, and I literally never heard from him again. He completely ghosted me out of nowhere. Um, you know, if I didn't know any better, I would think he was dead. Uh, the only reason I know he wasn't dead is because he was still liking all my Instagram posts and watching all my Instagram stories. Like every time I posted a story, he would watch it in like one minute. And I just thought that was so strange because he wouldn't, I I reached out to him, I emailed him, I texted him, I called him, I, uh, reached out to him on Instagram messenger and, you know, everything he was reading, he was seeing my messages. I know he was alive. He just wouldn't respond. And it's like, okay, I get it. If you're not into me anymore, just tell me. But it was just so strange the way he went from 100 to zero so quickly. Like, he was like, I can't wait to see you. I miss you. I love you. Da, 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 da. 
to just, boom, never talk to you again. So I was pissed and very hurt. So I got a bunch of, like, professionally made missing persons posters and a huge stack of them. And I posted them all over his neighborhood. And I feel very guilty about that. I, I, I feel like it was not a good thing to do, but at the same time, I hope he saw one of them, you know? Um, I also feel bad about like how much paper it wasted. I, I spent so much time doing it. I don't, I don't know. It was just, it was a messed up thing to do. And I, um, I don't know if I regret it though. Anyway, have a great day. Bye. If somebody's missing, a poster is required. <laughs> like, maybe you need, listen, you did the responsible thing, my friend. Like, somebody was missing and you, a call to action was made and you, you met it. Well, he wasn't necessarily missing because he was missing he was to her. <laughs> he was, he was liking all of her posts and he was posting and all that jazz. So, he's missing. I mean, mm, don't ghost I wouldn't chicks. say this is the worst thing you've ever done, but it's bold. And I like it's, it. It's a bold and move. And Molly, like, if we've met, can you message me? Like, I miss you. Like, I want to reconnect. <laughs> is I, this your real name? Like, I want to know more. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I... At least you learned a little bit of psychopathic behavior and narcissistic personality behavior, the love bombing and then the disappearing. It's a textbook behavior. Oh girl. I've been through I've been through it so many times. Um, and it's why now people are afraid of me because I understand all of the moves. Oh, and I you? am the moves. I'm in the retaliatory moves. Oh. Okay. Come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's our next one? Onward and upward. Not that yours wasn't good, Molly. You're perfect. Well, hello. Um, I thought I would call in to tell you guys um, the worst thing I have ever done. And it's pretty bad. And I'm pretty sure this is the first time that I'm actually saying it uh, out loud to anybody. So um, about 10 years ago, I just went through a divorce, and I was dating and just kind of enjoying life, having fun. And one weekend, I was on Tinder, and one weekend, this, like, guy had popped up on my Tinder. Uh, long story short, he was in town for a wedding, and he lived across the country from me. So uh, he was not local. Um, so we decided to hang out. And he was super fun, and we had a great time. He actually uh, wind up missing the wedding that he flew across the country for uh, to hang out with me. So he was on everybody's shit list uh, from the wedding. But anyways, uh, we wound up um, hooking up and uh, lots of times <laughs> that night. And the next day, he flew back across the country. Um, I had his name, and I had his phone number. And that was it. Uh, we didn't talk anymore. So a week later, I have a guy friend um, in town who I had known pretty much my whole life, went to high school with. And he was single all the time. I was single all the time. We wind up hooking up that weekend. So fast forward a couple weeks later, I find out that I am pregnant. So... 
I went to the doctor and found out exactly uh, when I had conceived, and it was with the guy from across the country. So I had texted him and to let him know, and he was kind of an ass and didn't really care and just told me to take care of it, basically. He wasn't going to contribute any money or help or be supportive in any way, shape, or form. So um, this is when I uh, really was stupid. And (laughs) all right, so I got an idea to call the other guy who I hooked up with a week later probably know where this is going, and um, I had told him that I was pregnant, and it was his, and uh, that I didn't want to, you know, go through with the pregnancy, and he was supportive, and he came down to see me. He took me to the appointment. Um paid for everything. We didn't get an end to the story. No, it cut off. But I will say, I I think that anyone who rushes to any sort of judgment, I think you need to realize like the burden that women carry in the like the past that men get where they don't even have to know if somebody they've impregnated mm-hmm. is pregnant. And, and like, and they can literally just be like, fuck you. Like, nah, I don't care. I'm good. I'm good. And a woman's going to be like, I either seek legal recourse or I figure my own shit out. So it's like, girlfriend, like there's no judgment. And the guy who you probably blamed it on has probably gotten a different girl pregnant. Um, And also said, fuck you, deal with it. Yeah. It's just like women are in an impossible situation. It's impossible to judge you for this. Yeah. Because it's like, we're always alone in this. Like if you're not married to somebody and planning a child, you're, it's on fucking you yeah. and you feel bad. You don't want to burden the guy or like, you don't want them to this or that. It's so irritating that the dude who opted out, who was across the country just can do that. That and irritates then, the fuck out of me. And then put you in a situation where that was, had to be an option for you to take as well. Yeah. No, exactly. And I just, I just think before anyone, their knee jerk might be like dishonesty, this, that. What about the fucking abandonment of responsibilities of the guy across the country or the abandonment mm-hmm. of responsibilities whenever a man gets a woman pregnant and pieces out? Like, yeah. we're left with all this shit alone all the time. Yeah. And uh, I judge you not. I think you are badass and it's very scary to be in that situation on your own. And you should never have to feel that way. And men don't know what it even feels like to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. No. So, girl, judgment free. Don't feel bad about that. Our system is not set up to support us. And you did the best you could. Yeah. yeah. Um, your friend who pulled through for you, that dude. Yeah. He's a, a good, good guy. Dude. Good on him. No, exactly. Good and, on and, him. And, and you know what? He, that, that, that good karma. karma. That karma is going to come back to him. It's yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's not like um, you went through with a pregnancy and then lied to him about his child. No, you wanted some support through your abortion, which is terrifying, which yeah. I, I think people also underestimate uh, the crippling yeah. emotional effects of those. And you know what? You shouldn't have been alone. And uh, you did your best. And we're women in these situations are up against crazy situations. Yeah, you're left to impossible uh, choices, mm-hmm. really, yes. at the end of the day. So, And we mean, carry so much of this shit. And every woman who's listening who's been in a similar, similar situation or done a similar thing, absolve yourself of the guilt. Yes. We carry so much shit for men and women on our own backs. Like, 
absolve yourselves. We're doing our best. You did your best. Onward and upward. All right. Well, Alexis, oh. I believe it is time for you to send us off into the night. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is an amazing. Uh, okay. I, I want to say I'm proud of this one, but then I'm like, I'm not proud of this one. Like, I don't know. Okay. It could go either way. This one is titled Jerry's ex-girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> Again, this is coming from the voice of George Costanza. Yes. This is the Costanza stanza. Oh, yeah. like, oh, the Costanza stanza. Yeah. I mean, if you listen, you know. She's raven-haired with curls. Mm. She's not like other girls. When she dances, she flails her arms. I become entranced and at the same time alarmed. I'm kind of afraid. I'm kind of afraid of her. And Jerry, he dated her. Is it wrong to yearn? My passion it burns. Oh. For you, my loins are inflamed. <laughs> For what it's worth, I love you, Elaine. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> well, remember when George fell in love with Elaine when she did the sexy voice yeah. At, yeah. at Jerry's stand-up? He was like secretly in love with Elaine. I wanted to bring the, the wow, big salad into that. it, yes. and I just didn't. No, but next time, that's great because it's like the little surprise at the ending. Ooh, little surprise! I love that. I bitches. Bye bye.